0: but she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. March 25th. That's the day that that reading took place 2,000 years ago. March 25th. How do we know that? Because nine months later is December 25th, when Jesus is born. And so, uh-oh, and so this is, that was great, this is the moment in which our Lord is, enters into the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In a very real way, we can say that history of the universe pivots on this moment here. There's a before and an after, not so much for Christmas when he's born, but this moment here when he actually becomes one of us, when he's incarnate in his mother's womb. Everything else after that was playing out for this. Obviously, the culmination of that is Easter, his passion, death, and resurrection. That's what it's all leading towards, and ultimately the second coming. But this today, in this this fourth Sunday of Advent, this fourth week of Advent that lasts about eight hours, till we turn, get into, turn into Christmas already, is that is we have this as a reading to remind us of what took place winding the clock back to nine months prior. But it's an absolutely uh, remarkable, and, and I want to just do a, 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 an imagination exercise with you to kind of help place the significance of this moment. So just in your own mind's eye, just kind of zoom out all the way to outer space so that you can see the earth and let's make it the earth as it was 2,000 years ago and from outer space you wouldn't be able to tell what well I don't know maybe the glaciers would be different but you wouldn't be able to tell what year it is but but anyways you're looking at the earth and it's blue and it's beautiful and it's with the clouds I mean you've all seen the, the the photos and in this moment from there we're going to start zooming in and as we get in closer the clouds become more detailed and and eventually we can begin to see the continents forming but in a certain way too we can begin to see also this awaiting that's taking place all across the world. There's sin, there are wars, there's slavery, there is suffering. And for the previous some thousand years And even more, beginning with Genesis, there's been this this prediction that a Savior would come to save us from all that and from death. But it hasn't happened yet. Even in the very first paragraph of Genesis, there's already these words predicting and a Savior going, and and your offspring will destroy trample on the head of the serpent. And we get into... the the first reading, which is a thousand years before our Lord is born. And God is promising David, okay, you're not going to build me a a temple, but rather, what I'm going to give you, I'm the real protagonist here, I am going to give you an offspring from your line whose kingdom will have no end. And not just a series, no, an individual who will remain in your throne forever. But as we go zooming in, we we see, now you get in close enough and you can see Europe and Africa and the the Middle East, and all of a sudden the camera starts going down to the, the, the Holy Land. At that time, extremely undeveloped, except for in Jerusalem, there's an amazing temple in there and the rest of it's just very little small towns. And start we go down to the town of Nazareth, which would have been at the time 50, 70 houses at best. And if you go there today, you find out they weren't actually houses. They actually were cave dwellers. But, I mean, they're done up really nice. But there's nothing there. It would fit in like a four-block radius today here in Manhattan. And we know we're going to observe the beginning of salvation. And where do we go? The camera keeps going in, and we go to one of these homes And there's a teenage girl, we're not sure exactly, it could be 13, 14 years old. And she is going to be the one who we're going to wait for an answer. She is going to be the one that either says yes or no. The angel appears to her, the angel Gabriel. Now, just for a little bit of context, the angel Gabriel did the exact same thing six months earlier to Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest in the temple there in Jerusalem, and he's an elderly man, but he is at the, the, the pinnacle moment of his entire life as a priest in the, for the people of Israel. He gets to go into the Holy of Holies. He gets to do this one time in his life to offer incense there. And so, this is, you only do this once ever. And it's such a holy of holy places that and only one person can go in there, that they would tie a rope around the ankle of the priest so that as he goes in there, if anything happens, I don't know, he falls down dead or something, they can pull him up, they can retrieve him without anybody else going on in there because no one else can go in there. So that's just to show you just a little bit of how special a moment that is. And right there in the Holy of Holies, an angel Gabriel pre- appears to him and gives him this message saying, "You're gonna, your wife is gonna conceive a child and he's gonna be John the Baptist and, and, we, and, that's, and he tells him a little bit more about what John's gonna do, being the precursor for the Messiah. And it's like the angel is waiting for a yes from Zechariah. And what we get from Zechariah is not that. It's doubt. It's disbelief. It's like there's some like resistance there like no, that no that I'm old and my wife is old. How can Remember, where is he? He's at. If, you, if there's any moment you'd expect God to show up and tell you something, that's where it would be. And he's not believing it. He's not having it. No, 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 no. Sorry. No, we're, I mean. And he's uh, struck uh, mute. He can't speak. By the context, we can tell he can't hear either. And, but everything comes is fulfilled. He and his wife conceive a child, John the Baptist. Six months later, this same thing happened. This, the angel shows up to Mary, not in the temple, not in some glorious place, not at some pinnacle moment. If you go to Nazareth, there's, we're not quite sure where the angel appeared to her. There's, one tradition says, by the well in the town. Another says, back in her home. Neither of which are super extraordinary places. She's doing ordinary things in ordinary life. And she's just a girl. Just, and the angel lays out to her this grand plan for what her child will be, and she's confused by that. Now, remember, she is engaged; she's about to get married. So you would think that if the angel's telling her about her child and what the child is going to do, her mind would immediately go to, "Oh, so the first child that me and Joseph have together, then that's what this is all about." But that's not her reaction. Her reaction is, how can this be? Because I, I don't know man. And by, under, by the context, we're understanding too that, and she wasn't planning on it either, that she was somehow consecrated as, uh, to, to our Lord and that this marriage was going to be lived in, in chastity. Why, why else would she say, why else would she question? She, she's looking for clarification are you telling me that I'm supposed to take my vow of chastity and and uh, set it aside and that's when the angel says the Holy Spirit will come upon you the power of the Most High will overshadow you therefore the child to be born will be called not the son of Joseph but the son of God but then it's as if we're at a same moment like Zechariah was. Gabriel's waiting for a response like, are you okay with this? Will you go along with this? There's some marvelous commentaries by some of the church fathers. I think there's one, uh, St. Bernard of Siena. He has this whole discourse, and it's amazing the way he builds it up. He says, all of heaven and earth, were waiting for your response, O Virgin Mary. You just imagine, that's probably pretty accurate. Like, because it, it, she, she's free. She doesn't have to say yes. And so you have the, all the angels and everybody who's died up to that point, and she all hoping that she says yes, because they want to get out of there. They're just all leaning in to find out what's she going to say. And they this just hushed, and everyone's listening. What does she say? What a gamble that God is doing. He could just say, okay, this is a little risky because she might not understand. She might say no, she might boggle it up later. Maybe I just better just like, I don't know, like hardwire it. He doesn't. He wants her to say freely, yes. He's leaving the salvation of humanity in the hands of a 14 year old girl. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the celebration breaks out in heaven. It's happening, it's starting now. She opens up her heart and the Lord, the Holy Spirit descends upon her. It's, it's amazing that this is, he's saying what is going to happen. We don't actually get an image of the moment when the Holy Spirit does descend upon her that's like, like why didn't you include that it would have been awesome this pillar of f- f- fire descends from heaven and and uh, consumes everyone around except for the Blessed Virgin Mary and and she's lit up and it, it's, it's not there I mean and the reason why I mean how do we know this this, this part of it though because she seems to be like she's by herself in prayer when this happens So so she told Luke, this is how it played out. And I was there and the angel came and this is what he said to me. Because Luke had the chance to to, to talk with her. We have so much of the infancy narrative because Luke got to ask Mary, how did it play out? How did it happen? And he's writing it all down. Maybe in this moment, it was just too much for Mary to put into words. Like maybe she would just tear up and just... It's too much to be able to explain. What that moment was when our Lord, when our Lord came in, not just into her heart, but into her very physical body. God always respects our freedom. He wants us to give a yes and another yes and another yes. He wants us, he takes this gamble of leaving our own salvation and our own role in helping others to experience joy and peace of knowledge and experience of the Lord, he leaves that at the risk of our human freedom. I mean, that almost sounds like a bad plan. If it weren't coming from God, we'd say, okay, let's let's rewrite the script here. Let's hardwire it, let's bake it in. He's always giving us this chance to say yes. And, and while this kind of moment where all of the salvation of humanity is not dependent on our particular yeses, ours is. And the way, and the, the way that yes impacts others around us is immense, especially those nearest around us. But take there's there's certain moments where it's just so existential that it's just unbelievable. You can't like, why does God do it this way? It's so amazing. It's so wonderful. What, those of you who have children, at some point you said yes, and then the most amazing thing came out of you, for at least for the moms. That just doesn't add up. Where is where did they come from? Maybe just doesn't add up. But that's the way God wants to bless when we give him yes in the most transcendent amazing things. New life comes. That's exactly what happened with Mary. New life comes. That's one kind of transcendent yes that you can give. Marriage is another one. Not knowing how it's going to play out. Notice the angel didn't tell Mary what all the big ups and downs were going to be. And by the way, your son's going to die on the cross. There's a cross. There's a happy ending, so don't worry. He doesn't go into any of the details. Same with marriage. You don't go into any of the details. What sickness is going to come along? What, what suffering? What joys? What blessings? It's just a Yes. And leaving it in the hands of hands of the real protagonist of our lives. It's God, it's not us. God gave you freedom and he loves it so much. He doesn't want to violate to, doesn't, doesn't wanna coerce it. God has never never mani- manipulates us into doing things for him. It's always this free invitation, it's this pull, this attraction towards what is good, what is beautiful. And sometimes we're not ready for it, like, uh, okay, yeah, I see it, Lord, I see it. I'm not there yet. He's patient. But if we give an outright no, or outright just doubt and resistance and, like, Zechariah, well, then, we, it's like we blocked God's blessing that he wanted to give us. And so the way that played out with Zechariah is he couldn't speak. He just, he couldn't hear, and he's, for, for nine months that became a blessing for him though and so that happens to us when we put up obstacles to God's, God's to his plan in his life ultimately his plans are never completely undone by us can't be He always has a a workaround you could call it or maybe it was the plan all along so we can hear in these last hours of advent contemplating Mary's yes, we can think back to those big yeses in our own life. And thank our Lord for the blessings that freely came from that. The yes we freely give, the yes, the blessings that freely come. He wants to do that continually, again and again and again with us. If we just continue saying, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to your will.